Hello and welcome to Room Escape Divas, your podcast on everything escape rooms. We're excited today because we have Stephanie Fry, who is the co-host of Games and Schools and Libraries podcast, and we're going to talk about escape rooms in education. My name is Errol. And I'm Amanda. And I'm Stephanie Fry. Woo! <laughs> and sadly, Mike and Ruby aren't here because, well, they're they we're we're assuming that once their lives get less busy, because Ruby's almost done. We give this excuse every single time we have a podcast, don't we? So yeah. maybe we should just just leave. We it should at just that, accept that, that they're busy. Mike and Ruby are that, guest that stars on their own podcast for a while. <laughs> Well, she's always in school. That's just it. And then after this, she she's almost done. So that is exciting. They were actually over for my birthday party. But now I think she wants to do like her master's in something or insane. Who knows oh, what she's goodness. going to do. Anyway, uh. we probably won't see her for a while. Anyway, I'm sorry. Welcome, Steph. I'm so glad that you're here with us. Thanks. It's great to be on here. Yay! So can you tell a little about yourself? I know that, I mean, the last couple of intros that I failed at, and now this is like <laughs> take seven, I did most of the talking. So here I'm going to be a bit more polite. And if you could talk a little about yourself, that'd be amazing. Sure. Uh, I work at the Wacomonic Branch Library, and I create escape rooms. Um, I help Donald run the Shushcon event. And we've ran that for three years, and we always try to run an escape room in there, which is part of why I end up making so many escape rooms. I'm also the co-host of the Games and Schools and Libraries podcast and the editor of the blog, and I think that about sums it up. That's awesome. And so you work with Donald as well. So I take it you live in the same area and do escape rooms together. Or sorry, you've created escape rooms together. Or are you mostly the person that is, does creates all of them and then Donald takes all the credit? I'm kidding, <laughs> Donald, if you're listening to this. <laughs> I actually create majority of them. And awesome. sometimes we'll team up and do a couple, which is a lot of fun. And so I'm also assuming, since it's for libraries and schools, and this could be a wrong assumption, that your target demographic are probably students. Is this correct? Uh, yes. We usually try to hit the sort of 10 and up demographic, just because that's a lot of what we get in the teen room around there. And so they're our main target for escape room activities. And how many escape rooms do you usually create or run throughout the year? So far, I think I made... <sighs> I want to say two to three a year. Oh, wow. So you try to pump them out two or three a year and get... The, do you see the norm, the same students every single time or is it because it's yearly and new kids come in or do a lot of kids come back and try we see, the new one? And... We see a lot of new kids, um, but we have a lot of like returning kids who they get really excited. They're like, oh my goodness, I see you're working on stuff. Are you making a new escape room? When's that going to be ready? Uh, and we usually try to have those debut at Shushcon. The big thing we actually use our escape rooms for is me and Donald do a lot of grants at the library. For example, we did an ecology grant, and so we were trying to teach ecology literacy skills. So we created an eco-literacy room, and that was really fun. I, I think that was one of my favorites just because of the different props. We had like little butterflies that we'd bought for some of the puzzles. <laughs> so, so what's eco-literacy? Just, I mean, that's not an escape room question. That's, I just want to be a bit more familiar with eco-literacy. I'm thinking being able to identify plants, but maybe that's not it. I have no idea. So 
it's it's a lot of things. I, I feel like being able oh, okay. to identify plants is part of it, but so is... Oh, woohoo! I guess correctly. <laughs> yeah, uh, identifying plants and animals and, and just sort of learning more about nature as well as uh, conservation efforts of nature. Like one of the big things that we did with the grant was we brought drones into the library so that kids could do projects to try to watch animals, natural environments, or see how um, emergency planning people deal with uh, planning for emergencies. Yeah, no, I, you know what, like, you know what I've never learned is like how to properly identify poison ivy. So I'm going to be dead out in the environment, really. I'm already, I'm already allergic to everything. So poison ivy would probably kill me too it would be horrible so I, i'm and i think my wife is good with plants so that i just trust her for everything you know in in hindsight i'm realizing that would have been a fantastic escape room puzzle actually actually that <laughs> walk into the poison room is, ivy <laughs> no no i could see like you're an Errol. You have to survive in the or no, you have to help Errol survive in the wilderness he has no idea what he's doing Please learn, <laughs> learn for him. <laughs> I learn a few things when I play survival games on my computer, you know. I don't think that's the same thing. Like, you can't actually make a crock pot out of charcoal and, like, it's like gears and ice do not make a refrigerator, you know. Yeah, but, but what about apparently boiled dandelion water is good for snake bites? I don't know. We learned this. That's what it said. Yeah, <laughs> we are totally off topic. I'm we so are. Sorry here. So Let's get back you to are it. the editor in chief of the Games and Schools and Library blog, and you also are the co-host of Games and Schools and Library podcast. So, what kind of things do you talk about on there? We tend to talk about like the different things we're currently working on, and actually, a fair chunk of that that ends up being our escape rooms, how we make them. Uh, the process, maybe some of the specific puzzles, and just the educational value of having games in schools and libraries. Nice. It's it's really cool because I see on Twitter, I actually follow any mention of the word escape room goes into a personal feed that I follow. And I also have that same thing for any personal... Sorry, any mention of escape room within 100 kilometers of me, I also try to see. And then I can like talk at them and then they ignore me. But regardless, it's neat because I see a lot of people talk about education and escape rooms in in their classroom or in their library. And a lot of people are also looking for a lot of resources. Do you have a small community of of uh, educational escape room people that you talk to, that you provide resources for, or are you the go-to person since you have this blog? Uh, I, I think that we're kind of the go-to people in our community in sort of the Myrtle Beach, Polly's Island area. We actually try to teach the kids also how to create escape rooms. Like actually this week, mm -hmm. we have a camp to teach the kids how to make their own puzzles and put them together into an escape room format. And we have kits that they can use and put together. Oh, that's nice. So you have an escape room camp. All the cool camps are now. Not when yeah. I was a kid. <laughs> I had I to. Had... I don't, my camps, ugh, they, we had to be outside again, you know, in the camps I went to. And then, you know, the whole poison ivy thing regardless. So I take it you use Breakout EDU as well. Is that part of it? Or is that the a lot of 
uh, the, your resources revolve around Breakout EDU? We use a lot of Breakout EDU. We mostly use Breakout EDU for the kits. I think I've only run like a couple of their escape rooms for the kids just because me and Donald end up having like way more fun actually creating our own puzzles. And usually Understood. usually we have some kind of agenda. Like with the coding escape room, we were trying to figure out how to teach coding skills in such a way that it would be fun. So we ended up <laughs> with an escape challenge. room. It, it, it's the most challenging room I think I've ever <laughs> built just because there's so many like framework concepts that I'm trying to teach them in such a short span of time. But I'm always really happy when I see kids go through that escape room because, like, for example, at one part, they get access to a website that leads them to a Khan Academy page of a bunch of broken code. And Khan Academy is really great about pointing out what's wrong with code. So it's neat to see them have no coding experience. And then by the time they walk out of the escape room, they go, oh, I have to have semicolons at the end of all of these. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. And then, you know, teaching them things like conditional statements, all sorts of fun. Right. And actually have a puzzle for that in uh, that escape room. They, um, oh, I bet. They have these colored shapes and some of the if-then statements are like, if the background is blue, then it needs to be covered. And then once they cover it all up in the way that they need to, it creates a number that opens up a lock. Oh, wow. Oh, that's kind of cool. And so for your escape room camp, is this the first camp you've done or you've done many other camps before? This is probably... I want to say the fifth time we've run it. Oh wow! So you are veteran. You people are veterans at running escape room camps, and they and I'm assuming they go and they learn how to create their own escape room. Yep. And then they play each other's escape rooms, and then judge. I'm not too sure. Yeah, yeah they do play each other's escape rooms. So they work together as a team, and they create their own escape room. But first, we make sure they play some, so they kind of have an idea of how they run but then once Mm -hmm. they've played a couple then we go okay we'll think about the puzzles that you guys just went through and we'll play them a bunch of educational videos from like extra credits just to get them Mm -hmm. thinking Uh, Um, and then they go through and create each puzzle and then play through each other's stuff and then they judge each other and then there are rivals and cliques that arise I'm just you know taking are you making an anime out of this I have (laughs) Like I just hear you hear it in your voice. Uh, um, so I, I'm curious though. Like, so most of the kids coming in have they never played an escape room before, or have some of them experienced an escape room and now they want to play it? What's usually prompts them to want to take this kind of a uh, camp? Apart from parents wanting to get rid of their kids, but we get a good mix of. Uh kids because we'll have a couple who go oh man we love escape rooms and we know that you'll let us play some of the ones you guys have built so we'll join your camp and then we have the other ones where you know the parents are like well you need something to do from two to five (laughs) right (laughs) (laughs) but don't they get curious if they've never heard about an escape room it's like why don't you go to escape room camp where they lock you in a room or maybe that's why they send the children there. I'd send my kids there. That's probably why they picked that one. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and 
And has it, what would you say in regards to popularity? Has it been steady? Has it grown? Are people excited about this? I'd say it's grown. I know Escape Room Camp is a little slow this week, but like anytime we run Escape Room activities, I'll have a bajillion kids just gather around and just be like, okay, but how can we play that? And then I'll have to chase them all off and be like, guys, if you watch it, you can't do it. I'm like, I'll call you guys when the next round is, and then you can play then. Because I would, I would, I was wondering, right? Because as escape rooms become more and more popular in the mainstream, if all of a sudden people are excited about seeing an escape room camp within their community, I know I would. I don't know if I could send my kids there because they'd probably be divas, and then go, that's not how you make one. And then they, then they'll get into fights and. You know, that'd be bad. But I can imagine a lot of other kids would be able to. You know, it was really exciting that I, for one of the escape rooms here that caters to families. And I, again, I think I mentioned this before, but I found it interesting that the kids don't even care that they know how to solve the escape room. They'll be quite happy to go back again and again for birthday parties because it was, it was so cool. And, it, and, it's an interesting demographic. Now, it probably depends on the kids, but it seems that, you know, a lot of kids don't care that they've seen the puzzle before over and over again. I guess those are kids, if they've never solved it the first time around, they could try a second second chance at it. I don't know. Yeah. Well, and I know that sometimes if you wait long enough for a thing, you're like, okay, I kind of remember the framework, but I don't remember what the specific answer was. Anyway, so how did you get started in all of this, doing escape rooms for libraries and education and school? So I actually got started into this whole mess because of Donald. Uh, of course. <laughs> he dragged you in. <laughs> he absolutely dragged me in. I, I think it started with, um, he showed me, he showed me like the breakout EDU stuff. And I'd played, I'd played a lot of puzzle games before. And I think I'd also played the Nonary Games series. Oh, I oh, love yes. that series. Yes. I love them so much. <laughs> um, and so as soon as he was talking about like actually making physical escape rooms, I was like, I'm all in. Let's do this. Yeah. <laughs> were you part of another podcast before this? Is that how you know Donald as well? You were doing... Oh, I'm not too sure, like extreme hang gliding podcast, whatever. No, I, I know Donald because he hired me and uh, all of my podcasting stuff uh, started because, you know, Donald's just like, hmm, I want to do this thing. What do you think? And I'm just like, yeah, let's do this. He already had the games and schools and libraries stuff going, but we started talking a lot more, I think, about what kind of stuff we were doing at the library and like how to organize conventions and all that kind of stuff. And so it was it was probably uh, a bit it was nice to have him start up that base and so you didn't have to start from scratch. Do you have like any advice you'd want to give to someone who wants to start up an escape room uh, creation program in their school or their library from scratch? I would recommend I would highly recommend a breakout EDU kit because that's a really great way of getting yourself started. If you can't do that, just grab a bunch of lock boxes and whatever locks you've got on hand. Because a lot of times the way I'll start designing like an escape room, the two big things I'll think about is, okay, what am I trying to teach them? And what locks do I have to do it with? How many, how many uh, 
kids can do your escape room at a time. I, I'm assuming you cycle them all through. So how many in one group? I My favorite number is five. But mm. I can do probably about up to eight. The reason I like five is because it, it usually makes sure everybody's very hands-on with the escape room. I started off with most of my escape rooms being an hour long, but I started finding that I enjoyed 30-minute uh, escape rooms more. A lot of that had to do with the way we run them at ShushCon, because that means I have 30 minutes to set back up and I can run them in one-hour blocks. And the other great thing is when I run them in sort of 30-minute if they're built to be a 30-minute escape room, if the kids don't finish on time, it's a lot easier to just say, okay, we'll go ahead and keep trying at it. And I can imagine if you were at a con, there are a lot of people that want to try the escape room. So a smaller time frame is easier to get more people through. Oh, absolutely. We've, we run them at ShushCon, and we actually ran them at uh, Scarab Con one year. Actually, this was Scarab that was con. this year. Is that um, an Egyptian con? It's it's in Colombia and it's a gaming convention. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> and I think we ran like I know nothing. I want to say we ran like a total of three hundred people through escape rooms, just over the oh, three wow. days of the weekend. What's the reception to it? Like Shushcon, for instance, it's the uh, library convention, right? And yes. Yeah, so do you get a lot of librarians who get very excited and who want to try it out for themselves in their uh, libraries? We absolutely do, especially since the escape rooms are free to try. Can't really beat a free price value. Um, the other thing I love is when we have ShushCon and we do have these librarians who are interested in escape rooms, they ask me a lot of questions like, oh, well, I have this idea for like a Harry Potter room, and this is the puzzle that I'm working on, and I'm stuck here. And then you and you can have a fun brainstorming session, or uh, it's a good meeting of the minds, as it were. Right, because then you get that sort of outside help on uh, how to do mm -hmm. this puzzle that you kind of stumped on. <laughs> so... I see here also on your on your bio on Inverse Genius that you are a presenter for Escape Room Creation for Libraries. And so does that mean you run seminars on how to create them? We have in the past at ShushCon and we went to the State Library to run some presentations on how to do it. And that's pretty cool. And so do you usually, do you get a lot of people there? Are a lot of people really excited? They, I know you say they come up to you with their ideas, but do you have, I guess, a set uh, presentation that you, I mean, I don't want to like, you know, if you, if you charge for this, you don't want to give away all your free information, but I'd like to know <laughs> what kind of, what kind of things you tell them. Uh, we actually do it for free. Huzzah! Then it doesn't matter if it's like free on a podcast. <laughs> exactly. But I guess when you first start off, there are like, you know, top tips that you like to give your, because I'm, I'm assuming a lot of these librarians are, and, and educators are brand new to escape room creation. Oh, absolutely. Uh, my biggest tips are always like, base your entire puzzles around what your solution needs to be because a lot of times they have limited resources, so they're using like specific locks and drawing inspiration from the stuff at hand. 
Like, if you're doing an ecology uh, puzzle, it's great to get, like, little butterflies or something. And then, like, we had a puzzle in the ecology room where they had to sort a butterfly collection. And then from there, they got... Uh, names of places, and then that gave them the answer to like a directional lock. And I can imagine then the educational part, like, you know, learning the names of those butterflies is important. So tying the education aspect. A lot of escape rooms now don't really worry about having to educate anyone on anything. So I can imagine it's so much harder trying to be educational. It can be. I I used to, yeah, I used to uh, work at a kids camp and a lot of the stuff that we had to do had was educational or fit the the curriculum for our uh for our province so you know it's it can be sometimes hard to make that fun (laughs) yeah and me and donald have a tendency to go like really ham on our props when we're making a new room uh like we were trying to go for a more sciencey one at one point and i do cosplay stuff so (laughs) I end up crafting like a bajillion random things. So I have Warblaw on hand. So we actually made like tiny little organs that had magnets in them <laughs> for a board. Wow. <laughs> so you would uh, you would stick the organs into where they go on a human body. Oh, that's cute. That's fun. That's cute. So, uh, okay, this is a little bit off topic. Uh, what do you cosplay as? <laughs> I, I was just at Anime North. Uh, just like last two weekends ago, and my eldest daughter now desperately wants to cosplay, which is great. I, but I was just wondering, what do you like to cosplay as? Let's see. I've got a Batgirl cosplay. I've got some Adventure Zone cosplay, mm. which is a and d podcast. I'm putting you on the spot. You're probably not expecting to be asked about your <laughs> cosplay. <laughs> it's cool. Uh, I've got some Homestuck cosplay. Uh, anyway, I, we'll go back to your yeah. <laughs> escape so, rooms. I'm also like gonna, taking a look at. You. Yeah, I was gonna say actually. Yeah, I find that uh, it's it's not just escape rooms necessarily, but yeah, a lot of games that need that want to be educational end up. I don't know. It's this really weird fine line that has to be balanced, where you want to make it fun, but you also want them to learn things, but. You know, I played, the, for instance, I played this computer game last year called Odyssey, which was a terrible game, actually. And it, it was like it, you know, it touted itself as being a great fun game about science. And it was basically reading a textbook on a screen most of the time. And so do you do you find those challenges when you're designing? Like, for instance, you mentioned making physical props to like you know organs to put on a body and stuff like but do you find it hard to kind of straddle that line between fun and education it it can be it really can be because you're like i want to make sure i'm not just making a test here and that the puzzles are actually fun i don't want to be handing them a what is it one of those little bullet point tests where they have to color in uh yeah, they have to color. You want to trick bubbles. them into learning, <laughs> right? Exactly. So I, I feel like when we have really outlandish props, that seems to help and making them think like really outside of the box. Uh, like for example, Donald's got a really great room that he made that's a um, South Carolina history room, and so all of the answers to it are 
important dates or numbers that are relevant. And I find it's pretty cool because you can get away with some of the like, okay, this solution may not necessarily, this puzzle may not necessarily be especially educational, but the answer, and then the fact that they find a slip of paper that's like, oh, this number is important because this was the date of blah, blah, blah. And then the fact that they get that information, they end up retaining that information because they had to solve something to get that information. They work to get that information. Right. Like the big solution to, I did a Christmas escape room and it was insane because I designed it in two days. Um, oh, I'm sorry. It's okay. <laughs> That's a very short time. It was like a Christmas party escape room, but uh, everybody ended up loving the final puzzle because the answer was this date when um, they started selling Kentucky Fried Chicken in Japan and it became a Christmas tradition <laughs> and all of the kids just ate that up. I think it's 1974. Really? 1970. I didn't I know. know that. Is it that early? Wow. Well, I know I was. It was funny because I was in Japan over Christmas and New Year's, and I thought it'd be really fun. Well, why don't we do what they do here and eat Kentucky Fried Chicken? And and then my family said no. Oh no. Because <laughs> like, we were visiting Japan, and we could get Kentucky Fried Chicken anytime we want. So they didn't seem to. They wanted to do a more traditional <laughs> dinner. <laughs> But I thought, but, but Kentucky Fried Chicken is, is traditional here. No. <laughs> oh, that's cool. And so what kind of, what other tips do you give them? Or what do you see are the biggest mistakes people make when they're brand new and creating an escape room? Or children, when the children try to create an escape room. For example, one of the biggest things that we tell them not to do is to not mm -hmm. put intentional red herrings in there. <laughs> um, like, young. <laughs> yeah and uh i i think it's so interesting because like i've seen so many groups because a lot of times i'll moderate these escape rooms that i've created and mm. so i'm sitting there knowing like every bit of this puzzle and then watching them create their own red herrings for themselves right so we we very much tell them we're like no don't put don't put anything especially unnecessary. It's okay to have like a little bit of set dressing and that kind of stuff, but know that if you put set dressing, they're gonna say like, oh, this poinsettia that's on this table must be relevant to this puzzle. <laughs> as opposed to it's just there as a poinsettia. E exactly. Um, right. And I bring that up because the Christmas room had a poinsettia that I left on the table because I couldn't be bothered to move it. And every group was like, this is relevant. <laughs> this is the answer. Oh, no. I can imagine, too, for a smaller budget room, because you have restricted resources, almost everything becomes important then. And so when you have extra things that aren't, it, it kind of sticks out. It does. <laughs> it really well, now does. you know you need a point set of puzzle now, so... Oh, I, I absolutely <laughs> do now. Like, yeah, because it has points. You know, you could have a whole whole sorts of... Now that you also did the eco-learning one, literacy. I, I'm actually... 
I'm pretty serious about this, like, poison ivy, poison oak puzzle. That would be really great. <laughs> like, I can see it because, you know, yeah. it's got the educational value of identifying these important plants. And also you these plants have different numbered leaves, which is like, that would work so well for a number lock. And then if you fail no, it, oh, the arrow model gets itchy, you know? Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. All sorts of things, you know, <laughs> how to avoid getting Lyme disease and different things like that. How to survive in the wilderness escape room. I'd, I'd, I'd probably benefit from that if I paid attention during the escape room. <laughs> getting back to red herrings, it's interesting because I think as, as a room escape designer at the very beginning or making any puzzle, you sometimes forget that you're not really against the player. And so you decide, oh, I'm going to try to do my best to trick them, and then they'll never get it. But that's not the whole, that's not your goal. Your goal is for them to solve it. And, and I think we forget that as designers, or especially at the very beginning, we have to make the mindset, the change, that all of a sudden we realize we're on the player's side, we're not their opponent. Oh, absolutely. And... Uh... I just remembered there's actually another tip that I tell them. It's that how you set the room is going to affect how they solve the room. Because, so for the eco-literacy escape room, I had a puzzle in it, and it was a sound puzzle where the players would hear these animal noises. And... Anytime I had it set up where the animal noises were playing ahead of time, those groups didn't solve it. But when I started putting the animal noises on a zip drive that they found and had to plug in later, they'd solve that puzzle. Interesting. And was it because there were too many other things it could have related to at the beginning of the game? or It was because since it was playing when they got in there and it seemed so much like set dressing, they just ah, figured it was understood. set dressing. They just ignored it. Yes. Yeah. yeah, it's interesting. I played a game like that recently where the whole time there was this ambient noise that was playing and... You know, when luckily later and later it ended up being relevant and we thought like there's a part of a puzzle where like, wait, is that sound that we've been hearing this whole time a part of this answer? I think it is. And I couldn't help. I really appreciated it, but I couldn't help but think in my head that would be really tough, you know, to to pick up on that immediately. Like, could you remember that sound you've been hearing for like 20 minutes or like if it stopped playing or something like that? Right, especially when you're like trying to focus in on solving puzzles and you sort of try to separate yourself from background noises to focus. It's interesting when we do escape rooms, uh, different companies do different things. And then once you do their escape room, you start to see their patterns and the, and the, and the personal rules that they set for themselves that they keep to within a game. And you'll find a lot of you know a lot of differences between the different companies and so i usually find when it, when i go into a new escape room i have no idea how i'm going to do in it because they may have uh they may have all sorts of crazy ideas however i find any escape room that kind of like trains you on on the things to pay attention to and how to play their game usually tends to be a, a good game kind of like you know the the video game, The Witness, that everybody always talks about, where it where it trains you to learn how to play their game and really get in, involved in it. 
uh, when a when an escape room does that so that you can get used to what what rules to expect in that game then it does well for the players because they will eventually learn how to play it i don't know if that made sense what i just said Hope- no it it totally does because you'll have kids doing escape rooms and a lot of the kids who are newer at it they don't know all of the things that they're allowed to do yet Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very true. So they're still they're not sort of allowed to break things for fun. Yes. Right. Exactly. Um, or like, for example, especially newer adults will do this. They won't like look under tables or really search the room. They'll assume that everything on the table is all they need. Adults are bad at searching, or like that's what we found when that's we break. Because we have to bend down and get on our knees, and my <laughs> knees are sore. I'm old. <laughs> you know, it's interesting because I'm looking through your blog here, or at least your intro, and you're talking about Arkham Horror as being a uh, a favorite board game of yours. Is it, am I reading this right? Oh, that's, Is yeah, that's correct. Game? That <laughs> Donald says that's why he hired me. <laughs> now, do you try to put in some type of I don't know, narrative or campaign within any of this. I know that would be very hard also to add that to the educational aspect and will take you more than two days, obviously. But do you try to put any of your uh, background in, in that narrative design or campaign aspect in any of your escape rooms? I actually do every time. Um, oh, good. <laughs> I think there's only... there's only one escape room where the narrative was really loose and that was my first one. Which was mostly a like, I'm gonna make a an escape room and it's gonna involve a Catan board. Ah, the Catan <laughs> escape. I see that here under one of your creations. Yeah. But no, after that, and especially with Donald, Donald's like, no, this this has to have a narrative story. You better make sure each one of these is because he hounds me for that. <laughs> I'm like, Donald, they'll be happy as long as they're solving puzzles, and he's like, no, it must have a story, and he's right because. Uh, <laughs> We're in don't, a library. Don't tell him. But anyway, he's right because uh, <laughs> the kids want to come in and, and sort of play a role. That really is what gets them engaged into escape rooms. So, like, for example, the second one me and Donald did was called Mad Lab. And the narrative for it was there was a scientist trying to make a virus um, and the team gets infected and they have to find the cure and they're also finding out what happened here as it goes and it was actually we use zip drives to tell the story and we had uh, one of our volunteers actually do all the voice acting for like a script i wrote oh fun that is and then the uh the eco literacy one uh the storyline for that one was actually that there were some animals that were kidnapped by some smugglers and the kids have to sneak into their camp and to rescue the animals before the smugglers come back. Oh, wow. Is that the Battle Pets? Uh, no, the Battle Pets is a fiasco playset we put together. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Sorry. I was. Oh, that's right. You have something there called. I don't even know what fiasco playset is. Maybe that's, is that a board game? Maybe. Fiasco is a role-playing game. Oh, okay. Cool. Understood. Is it what kind of role-playing game? Actually, I probably shouldn't ask this on the podcast. <laughs> this is my problem. I Holy start to tangent because I'm interested. Oh, what kind of thing is that? 
Oh, what are you cosplaying? <laughs> Let's talk about survival. Um, <laughs> although I did that one too. I got carried away. <laughs> this, is, this is why Man Pants doesn't let me do anything on the podcast. <laughs> I was going to ask um, just which of the escape rooms you have created, which ones have you either you felt have been the most successful or that the kids really gravitated toward? I have very mixed feelings, but... I feel like one of my most successful ones has been the coding escape room just because mm. there's so much stuff that the kids have to learn and and there's so much that the kids learn while they're playing it and the fact that mm. they actually like still want to finish it even when they don't finish in time uh they still want to like go through and do the rest of it that that feels like a success for me because there's like programmed movement stuff they learn in that one. There's a physical breadboard in the version that we run at the library. There's actual coding that they have to do. So the fact that they actually want to sit there and do this entire escape room that's got all of these very complex things in it, just, I love it. <laughs> and is it only still, is that one two thirty minutes as well? Uh, no, that one's actually an hour just because there's so much stuff for them. Coding's never oh, short. No, I, can, I can tell. <laughs> if it's coding with breadboards and programming and conditional statements, oh yeah, I can imagine you won't be able to do lots of that. You need to have a full hour or more. If you're a nerd like me, I could probably go for hours just like, ha. And, and I love the fact that they actually have to sit down and code in that one because... I start them off with sort of all of the framework elements of it. It's like there's a programmed movement puzzle, there's the conditionals puzzle, and um, then there's the breadboard that they have to get through. And then once they get through those, they get to a puzzle where they have to fix some code. And then once they get through that, they get through a puzzle where they actually have to do full-on coding. And it's a puzzle where they have to sort these sheets of paper by fonts oh, wow. and then code these XYZ uh, what is it XYZ coordinates into lines of code and they get shapes that turn into numbers oh, oh. crazy oh that's kind of cool the other cool thing that they love is uh, they then take those numbers and then they plug them into an actual safe that we got <laughs> Wow, that's great. And so you could actually probably make a new escape room where it's you have to get an escape room ready in time because all the Arduinos are broken and they have to program them to work again. That'd be funny. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's punishing. The code's the not that's working punishing. on this door. <laughs> I thought you said you weren't out to get the player. You know, <laughs> you're not there to punish the player. The customers are coming in 60 minutes and none of, nothing in the escape room works. You have to recode all of it. Oh, my goodness. <sighs> so what other types of themes would you like to explore uh, when given the chance? Arkham Horror. That would be fun. That would be very fun. Probably hard to make that educational. That's true. You learn about HP Lovecraft. I, That's literature. 
actually, yeah, you could you could do it from a literature standpoint, um, and also you could do it from a sort of probably historical prohibition standpoint. I feel like there's a lot of angles you could sort of hit with that. And if a portal happens to open up and suck you into a nether world, that's fine, you know. Exactly. I I don't know. It's that's a tough question because most of the escape rooms I've made up to this point have been a like we need this kind. So it's been a matter of like my theme's been given to me already. Ah. Yeah, that makes sense because they have to fit whatever curriculum might be out there at the moment, right? And you have to fit that. Although lately I've been working on some digital ones instead of physical ones. Oh, right, right. I wanted to ask you about that because there's this digital aspect to Breakout EDU that I know nothing about. Yeah, so they've got these neat, completely digital-based escape rooms. And they're interesting because you can just play them online and they run themselves. And a lot of times what the puzzles consist of, and it presents an entirely new design challenge because you can either have the hint that they have to solve stuff from be like a video, a image, a GIF, or just text. So it's interesting to, because I'm so used to designing stuff where the kids get to fidget with pieces. So right. it's interesting trying to design puzzles for something where it's like, okay, they're just going to look at it, and I still have the educational constraints. So far, I've done two digital-only escape rooms, and they're a Romeo and Juliet-themed one and a fairy tale themed one. So in oh. Romeo and Juliet, everybody just dies. Sorry, spoiler alert. There is no winning that escape room. Uh, actually, in this one... Oh, you let them live! The narrative is that you're like with a mad professor or something that lets you go into books and change the outcome. And so it actually ends with like, well, you know, there's a lot of people dead, but you know, at least Romeo and Juliet survived this time. (laughs) Maybe you can teach them... Love is wrong. No, <laughs> <laughs> um, and that one's kind of interesting because I, I think my favorite puzzle in it is actually this puzzle where I've got one of the sort of Romeo and Juliet street fights going on. And in the puzzle, you have to take the number of Capulets, Montagues, and, and then everybody who's not one of those. And that gives you a number. And so each oh, of the characters okay. is like, oh, this one is Mercutio, this one is Juliet, this one is... And so you have to know or look it up from the story uh, right. who's what family. Okay, interesting. Romeo and Juliet Street Fighter. That sounds like a new arcade game. <laughs> I could totally see that, honestly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Actually, I'm looking at the Breakout EDU site right now, and it's kind of and it's kind of cool. So what it is is basically you have a virtual breakout kit, and then you can click on what is it? You click on a lock, and you'll get a puzzle for that lock that you need to solve. Is that how that works? Um, it's loading, so I don't really know. This is what I'm assuming. Oh no, that just I just have to put in the combination. <laughs> oh no, no, look, it looks like a. Oh, that's cool. I'm playing in their little example game. Oh, you're yeah. playing and we're just hearing, oh, no, that's not it. What's this? Oh, oh no. That's going to be Are the you doing the... Uh... There's a timer. 
there's I'm a looking s- at this. Yeah, I'm looking. Yeah, I'm looking at the uh, the example online, and there's this ten minute timer, and I clicked on a lock, and then it had a little puzzle, and then it, so it's almost it's almost like like an online puzzle hunt kind of game, but it it's 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 a digital version of a breakout edu kit. Right, and it's it's pretty neat. They've got shape they've got shape locks that you can use for your digital escape rooms, color locks, number locks, word locks, and it, it seems like you can have like a huge amount of locks if you want, or you can leave it to only a couple, and you can set your digital room whether you want the locks to have to be solved in a specific order, or whether you want uh, any of them to be solved at any time. And is this digital one basically all rests on their server, and is it free? There are a bunch of digital ones that you can play for free on their website, uh, but I think uh-huh. actually using their digital uh, escape room creator thing costs whatever the subscription to their site is, because I think it's so much a year. And it's it's really a neat tool for educators because you can pretty much just plop down like the image with your puzzle in there, type some text relating to it, uh, set whatever the lock is. And I think your locks can be up to, I want to say like nine characters or something like that. So if you want to have like a word that your kids need to know or that kind of thing. And it seems I'm looking at the pricing now just, you know, because I'm interesting it. Uh, the platform access, which gives you more than the digital game creator, but it's like sixty dollars for a year, which is which is pretty reasonable. So you can play and create things. That's kind of cool. And then you can play all the featured digital games. Do you get a bonus if you're also an uh, an educator as well? Is there a student education discount, or is that the student education discount that I quoted? I'm actually not sure. Uh, right now I'm helping with their, um, cause they're trying to expand how many digital games they have. So I'm lucky and I have free access to their, their digital creator. And cool. so when you create a digital escape room, like what's, what are the main differences between that and say something like, like one of the earlier, escape room flash games that originated like the you know the original digital escape rooms i would say the big difference is that you have to know that all of the pieces that your players are going to use to solve stuff are gonna be an image gif or video that they can't necessarily interact with which puts a lot of limitation and constraints right but I feel like you can still get a lot of puzzles and stuff out of that. Oh, yeah. That's cool. And is it probably harder to have a narrative in there? And I know how much you like narrative. So it might be because it's just that box in it and you won't have a GM there helping to move that along. I actually find the narrative almost even easier on there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so I do a lot of art stuff, so I try to incorporate that into my escape rooms, and I'm especially super into that with my digital escape rooms. Like the fairy tale one uh, that I created, 
Uh, you've got little Red running away from the big bad wolf, and she keeps ducking into like each of the three little pigs' houses. <laughs> and so that was really fun because I I drew like you see her standing next to each of the houses, and each of the houses has some kind of like special lock on it that you have to solve. And it's neat because you've got that text to be like, this is what's happening in the story. So you can you can be there telling and then you your... you can make video. Yeah. yeah. You can have Donald act things out. <laughs> that could be fun. <laughs> He'd do it. <laughs> he totally would. Well, that's kind of neat. When did they launch this digital platform? I didn't even realize this was a thing, so that's kind of cool. I'm not sure. I feel like it's kind of recent-ish probably last year or two i'm i'm anyway it doesn't matter why i'm interested so it's all good <laughs> looking through here, it's like oh that gives me an idea and it's like we don't need to hear my silly ideas on the podcast because everyone gets to hear that more than enough times yes my my poor podcast mates yeah oh right oh gosh yeah we're gonna hear about it later i bet <laughs> <laughs> No, I just I just clued in. I'm like, oh, I think I know what you're going to use it for. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so getting back to your escape room history, do you have, uh, like, have you played a, lo a lot of escape rooms yourself? Do you have any favorite things that you look forward to in an escape room? So I'm not even asking you what your favorite escape room is. Just what elements in escape room do you enjoy? Um, I mean, Manda always used to ask, "Oh, what's your favorite escape room?" But I don't think that's really fair. Not that Manda's not oh, fair. I, it's more along I, the lines. I asked you know. what their favorite themes were, mostly. Yeah, 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 yeah. I love escape rooms that have really tactile puzzles in them. Those are my favorites because it's. I find it really, it's like if you have this cool physical space to work with, I love to see how they use it. Nice. Is is Donald also like, do you play escape rooms with Donald or do you have your own team? I absolutely play escape rooms with Donald. <laughs> <laughs> so you didn't like, you know, try to shoo him away. No, no, I have a better team, Donald. You can no, no, no. I, <laughs> I usually drag him along. Uh, okay. Usually I'm like, they opened this new one at, uh, you know, Broadway. Let's go. Do you have a, how many people do you usually play with? Um, do you have a set team? It's funny. More often than not, I end up on teams of like two. <laughs> so it's just you and Donald, sadly. Sometimes it's me and Donald. Uh, sometimes it's me, Donald, and my fiance. Honestly, most of the time it, it ends up just me, me and my fiance. We played some really great ones when we... We had to go to Denver for ALA, and they had this just really great escape room there. And it was so neat because they had one where you were basically stealing stuff out of a museum. And I think that's one of my mm. favorite ones I've ever done. <laughs> <laughs> ones where you get to steal. Yeah. <laughs> We've run games where people really enjoyed the stealing aspect. I guess you can't really do that as an educational game, could you? 
you know, what are you teaching our kids? But they, I mean, you could you could be out. like, you know, they stole it first. We have to steal it back, <laughs> and it's heavily guarded. Well, if you're stealing from, like, the sheriff of Nottingham, you know, that's different. He's a bad guy. Oh, yeah. That's true. Right? You can be Robin Hood. There you go. <laughs> It would also make more sense that if if you travel a lot, then you would probably be in a team of two. And if your if your escape room experiences mostly happen out of of traveling, because I think Donald said there weren't that many escape rooms in your immediate area. Is that correct? There, there are starting to be more. Um, oh, that's good. But at first, there weren't. I think at one point there were like two. <laughs> I know that poor Manda, like when I do escape rooms with my family and then if the divas have already done the escape room now, that means Manpan doesn't have a team to play with. Yeah, they're going without me now. They're like leaving me out (laughs) of everything. We're not leaving you. We invite you to like restaurants. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, the restaurants are awesome. No, to be fair, you went you went to escape rooms while I was in Europe, and I was enjoying European escape rooms. Oh, that's true. So there was that. That is true. Yeah. You were doing all sorts of amazing European escape rooms. It's just, I have, Do you have I a have favorite board Hobo. game, by the way, Steph? Uh, my favorite board game? Yeah, or uh, maybe that's also an unfair. Well, yeah, you, you, like you make fun of me for asking I do, the but I think... question. <laughs> <laughs> and then you ask an even bigger one. <laughs> <laughs> I think my favorite is uh, Pandemic Legacy. Ah, uh, uh, I just finished a lot that. Of the legacy games. Oh yeah, I'm I'm on season two and I love it so much. <laughs> We've been playing a lot of legacy games ourselves, so we finished Charterstone and are now on Seventh Continent. Oh, I still have a copy of Charterstone. It needs playing. Uh, I really enjoyed it. It's it's very cute. I really do. I did enjoy it. It really, it is adorable looking. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Again, I have. Uh, see, this I is what happens games. when I look you at people's bios, and then and then I find interesting things, and then I want to know what happened. Then, <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, and I should go because my family has come home, and they all try and like talk around the computer, and I should have been upstairs doing this podcast, but I'm not. Oh, so, uh, it's been about an hour now. Yeah. Sorry about that. Yeah. So thank you so much for joining us, Stephanie. I, if you like, if you could give information or where people can find you. Uh, I can be found on Twitter at... Hey, do I follow you on Twitter? Do we follow each other? Oh, I don't you just know. interrupted the guest again. Oh, no. <laughs> Steph doesn't like me. She doesn't follow me on Twitter. Uh, I can be found at Steph F. Fry on Twitter. Uh, the fry being F R E Y. F as an F. There's an extra F between the fry and the staff. There is, and I actually have oh, okay. a website. What's your where website? Where I sell little trinkets. Uh, StephDraws.com. Oh, fun! Oh, cool! Really, Steph? So you can see all the art that you've done for your escape. StephDraws.com. I just followed you on Twitter. And now people uh, have heard it live. So you have to follow back now and not make me look like a loser because that would be sad. Okay. And, and also you have a couple of podcasts as well or a blog and, and a podcast. Oh, that's right. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um... <laughs> Sorry, I get distracted by Twitter. Um... 
Is Matt okay. Pan's the only paying attention now? Because I was just on Twitter too. <laughs> No, everybody's just on Twitter now. Uh, you can also find me on the Games and Schools and Libraries podcast and on the Games and Schools and Libraries pl- blog. Ah, uh, so you're the GSL. There you go. That's what that stood for. <laughs> I'm really embarrassed go. right now. Why? We... Oh, boy. Anyway, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Stephanie Fry, if anybody would, I'll just repeat her name again. It was great talking to you about uh, your escape room endeavors with the libraries and with education and also with Breakout EDU. I like that digital thing. I really want to take a look at it. Thanks so much for joining us. us. Thanks for having me. And man pans, it will be your turn to, I told you your turn to talk us out. Yeah. Okay. Room yeah. Escape Divas. Oh, is, and I'm not even here yeah. to like. Room Escape you know, Divas like is brought to you by Inverse Genius. You it's can go horrible. to inversegenius.com to find other fun podcasts just like this one. You can also. What, what other kind of fun <laughs> podcast, man, Pans? Like what games, could you see also on Inverse? Like games in the Games in the Libraries <laughs> one. <laughs> like <laughs> games in. Uh, uh, games in Library. Yeah. <laughs> You can also email us at roomescapedivas at gmail.com or you can go to the Facebook page and click the like button. And if you are on Twitter, you can use the hashtag redivas. Woohoo. All right. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.